It's really great to be back. I was down in Denver visiting our seminarians and doing work down there. And it was a great trip, but it was really good to come back. And we have a great gospel tonight. It's World Mission Sunday. There's so many directions to go. But I want to walk it back to this past Friday, October 22nd, which is the feast of St. John Paul II, or as some of us call him, St. John Paul the Great. And I want to tell some stories about him tonight because you're young enough to where you might not remember or even know just how monumental this man is in the history of the church, in the history of the world even, and certainly in our own faith journey. Even at this college, he knew about Carroll College. He spoke about Carroll College. I'll get to that later. But he's an absolute giant, a giant of a saint. And every part of his life has dramatic twists that are almost like out of a movie. It'd almost be hard to believe out of a movie from even before he was born. So his mom, when she got pregnant with him, was in difficult health situation. And the pregnancy was going to be arduous, absolutely arduous. The family doctor advised her to have an abortion. JP2's parents picked another doctor. And thank God for that. It was like the evil one was trying to stop JP2 from coming into this world before he was even born. So his mom suffered. She spent almost her entire pregnancy flat on her back. She suffered through that for him and for us. And the Vatican is actually looking at opening her cause and the cause of her husband for sainthood. JP2 is born on May 18, 1920. His mom dies when he's nine years old, kidney and heart failure. His older and only brother dies when he's 12. His older brother was a doctor. He contracted scarlet fever while he was tending to the sick, and he died when he was just 26 years old. So it's just little Carol Wojtyła, Carol Charles is his name in Polish, and his dad living together. And he grew up a lot like you. He played soccer. He was a goalie. He loved to ski. He loved to swim. He was a good athlete. He acted in the theater. He was involved and engaged in life. Here's where he's not like most of you, actually all of us. He had a monumental intellect. By the time he was 19, he had studied 12 languages. 12 languages. As Pope, he had learned 18 and was fluent in nine. So take that, business majors. Right. When he's just 19 years old, 1939, the Nazis invade Poland. And his formal studies come to a screeching halt. In 1940, when he's 20, he's conscripted to work at a quarry so that he wouldn't be deported by the Nazis. And he does that for the next four years. But in 1941, in the middle of the war, his dad suddenly dies. So he's 21 years old. He has no family. All he has is this job in a quarry 
that age, 21, your age, he decides to enter seminary. Now, I just came from a fantastic seminary, St. John Vianney Seminary in Denver. It's a beautiful place, beautiful campus, beautiful teaching and instruction, great men down there, great ways of providing for them, food, shelter, great and beautiful chapel to pray in. That is not the seminary that John Paul II joined. There was no picture of him on a poster with a smiling bishop. There was no address so people could send him care packages like Twinkies and Sour Patch Kids saying, I'm praying for you, hope you become a priest. The seminary is underground, literally. Classes are held at night without the Nazis knowing about it in the basement of the cathedral. One day, one evening, I should say, one of the seminarians who had entered with John Paul II didn't show up. And he didn't show up because the Nazis found out what he was doing and killed him. And John Paul II never forgot that. Even as Pope, he thought about that man and he wondered what type of priest he would have been had he been allowed to live. At his work, I told you he worked at the quarry from 1940 to 1944. His co-workers would take extra duties upon themselves so that he could hide in a tunnel and do his seminary studies because they knew there was something special about him and they wanted him to be a priest. So John Paul II takes all of this onto himself and it shapes and forms his humanity to be as big and as large as the giant of a saint that he became. In 1946, he's ordained as a priest by himself on the Solemnity of All Saints Day. He immediately goes to Rome to do his doctoral studies. He finishes those studies and returns to the only country, as people say, that lost World War II twice, Poland. Because the Nazis invaded and then after the war, the communists remained. So he comes back to communist-occupied Poland. He teaches. Guess who? You. Five years. He teaches at a university. And here's what he said about his time teaching college students. As a young priest, I learned to love human love. He learned to love human love. If one loves human love, there naturally arises the need to commit oneself completely to the service of fair love because love is fair and it is beautiful. It was working with people your age in the first five years of his return to Poland that shaped his entire trajectory everything he was about because he listened to the desires that people your age were expressing to him to live a life full of purpose and meaning to not just float with huge unanswered questions to have the deepest desires of your heart actually answered it's where he came up with his theology of the body by talking to you, to people your age, to know what the purpose and meaning of the love that is in your heart ought to be directed toward. And so he gave himself entirely to that. It shaped and formed his entire life. Now, fast forward 
through wild years of him subverting actively the communist regime in his homeland. He becomes a cardinal of the church. And on October 16th, 1978, when I was two years old, he gets named Pope, the 263rd successor of St. Peter, the first Polish Pope ever in the history of the church the first non-Italian pope in 400 years. The world had no idea what God was doing. Everything literally in the world changed because his work as pope undermined the communists in Poland and that was the first of the Eastern Bloc countries that fell in the eyes of the communists. And one after another, the communist horrible experiment was defeated one country after another and it started in Poland with a Polish Pope. October 22nd, 1978, the first mass to inaugurate his pontificate, these words ring out in St. Peter's Square. Non abbiate paura. Aprite, anzi, spalancate le porte a Cristo. Do not be afraid. Open, rather, throw wide open the doors to Christ. And then he goes on to say, Christ knows what is in man. He alone knows it. Friends, don't be afraid to open the doors wide. To Christ because he knows what is in you and Jesus alone knows what is in you the deepest desires of your heart and when you come to know Christ everything changes everything changes the whole trajectory of your life changes and John Paul II knew that and he knew your age right now was the generation that he wanted to talk to he had fallen completely in love with Jesus. And that love of Christ impelled him to reach out to people who everyone else said wouldn't listen. Think 1978. After the sexual revolution, all of what's going on in the world, he said, I'm going for the young. He came up with this idea to start World Youth Days, to gather youth from all over the world, to come spend time with him. His own advisor said, it's impossible, nobody will come. Came, they did. It started in 1986. In 1995 in Manila, over five million people, young people attended the closing mass. Five million people at one mass. It continues on to this day through his successors. But I was at the World Youth Day in 2000, not too much older than you. I was 24 years old, and I saw the Pope. I saw this free man who burned with the love of Jesus Christ, who had the answers to the questions in my heart and the questions in the hearts of everyone else who was with me because he knew Jesus. And Jesus is the answer to the questions that are in your hearts. He answers every single one of them. 
the deep questions about the meaning and the purpose of your life, why you're here, what you ought to be about. Listen to what he said in 2000. It is Jesus that you seek when you dream of happiness. He is waiting for you when nothing else you find satisfies you. He's waiting for you. He wants you to know him. And your hearts are hardwired to know him. Don't give in to the temptation to seek your satisfaction and your purpose in anything else. Not in ideologies, not in causes. You're meant to know a person who knows and loves you. He has a face and a heart and his name is Jesus and he's a real person. He'll answer the questions in your heart. Pope goes on. He is the beauty to which you are so attracted. It is he who provoked you with that thirst for fullness that will not let you settle for compromise. See, John Paul II knew you. People your age, that you're not meant for mediocrity, that not, you're not meant for a low bar, but rather you will only give yourselves to thing that, things that matter, to the high calling, to the call to greatness. That's what he wanted for every person, but especially for young people. He goes on, it is Jesus who stirs in you the desire to do something great with your lives. To do something great with your lives. Friends, we're not here to live insignificant existences, just getting by. We're meant to do something great, something only God could come up with. He wants you to live in that greatness. He wants you to know your life matters, that you're meant to be free, and the truth is what sets you free. And Jesus is that truth. You're made for greatness and not mediocrity. And you're meant to be fully alive, which means you're meant to be a saint. Nothing less. Nothing less. And Jesus makes all of that possible now. Not down the road. But now, for each and every one of us, for each and every one of you, he makes that possible because his love changes everything. It absolutely changes everything. Now, my friends, this giant of a saint knew about Carroll College. He spoke about Carroll College. I make these cards every year so that you might know this giant of a saint is interceding for you and for us that we're not meant to be mediocre here. We're not meant to be just another school. We're meant to be a beacon to the church in the Northwest and beyond. And what does that look like? The only way, my friends, that we become a beacon, it's not gonna be through institutional change or an administration or a new faculty handbook. It's going to be through people like you and hopefully someone like me 
letting our hearts be set on fire with the heart of Jesus Christ, with the fire that burned in the heart of JP2. That's how we become a beacon. Each one of us deciding, I will follow Christ. I will not settle for anything less. I will learn the faith and I will live the faith. And I will give myself to it entirely. To be a saint and to start today. What do I think JP2 would say to us tonight? I think he'd say, do not be afraid. Open. Rather, throw wide open the doors to Christ. And maybe to pull at least one good line out of this great gospel for tonight, he might also add, take courage. Get up. He is calling you. St. John Paul II, pray for us.